You're listening to Girls Gone Wad. This is Joy. That was super loud. Do you want to try one more time? It's not loud if you turn your volume down. <laughs> oh, really? no, it just it sounded like you were like from what from your normal talking voice into when you went into that you like you're like, OK, ready? <laughs> and it just sounded so <laughs> I tried to overcompensate because last week I sounded like I was half asleep and I was like, oh, God, I sound like I'm totally <laughs> me in the middle. Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is episode 216. And Claire just schooled me on how I should be introducing the podcast because I was too loud. <laughs> it's a little aggressive. A little aggressive. So this episode is brought to you by Equip Foods. How much did you love the episode with Dr. Anthony last week? We it was great. had a lot of good feedback and he's just so much fun to talk to. So you can support the podcast by supporting this great company, Equip Foods. That's E-Q-U-I-P foods.com. The discount code is GGW. That lets them know that we sent you and that helps the podcast so you can support ggw by supporting equip foods we love all of their products i especially have been using the microgreens and the turmeric blend claire what else have you been using yeah i use the turmeric blend and the collagen yeah i've been using the collagen a lot of people asked about whether or not the collagen if you can taste it and if you put it in your coffee and i cannot I can't taste it at all. Yeah. So I add it to my coffee. I also use M- M- MCT oil, and that's how I make bulletproof co- proof coffee. So I, like, get a mug of coffee, and I put all a scoop of um, collagen, a scoop of MCT, and, like, a just normal mug full of coffee into the blender, blend it up, and it's, like, just frothy goodness and a little fat bomb for you. So and also that would for, be my recommendation. Yeah. So check out their products. And also, if you had questions about the episode, Dr. Gustin, Dr. Anthony Gustin, is really great about – if you just want to reach out and ask him questions, please do so. He is really good at answering your questions. And also, if you just aren't really sure about keto, a lot of people um, kind of assume that we were you know, jumping on the keto train. We just want to put information out there that's helpful for you guys. Take it or leave it. And I think there's a lot of good things to take about any yep. conversation. But um, if you have specific questions about keto, definitely give him a message. He'd be happy to answer your questions. So this week on the show, we have Heidi Powell from everything from the the extreme weight loss show i'm like what hasn't she done extreme weight loss show um her and her husband chris powell are leaders in the fitness community and they've done a ton of work and written books and now they're coming out with this new app that provides tons of programming and they teamed up with um a lot of people to do this app but uh, mike and adi Kaju also have done some programming or mike i should say has done some of the programming for um the weightlifting i believe so or the strength programming which is super cool so we had a lovely conversation with her we talked a good long hour and she's just so much fun to talk to and i feel like you guys are really going to enjoy this episode um especially because i found out that she grew up in the same or you know she lived in the same area that i grew up in so i almost like instantly i knew where she went to high school like her high school is my rival high school so i was like no toros no toros All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode with Heidi. And yeah. Here we go. Enjoy. I 
we'll reach out to you after yeah, this. Yeah, you're more than welcome to anytime. Okay, so we're just going to hit the ground running if you don't mind so we can yeah. we, we can uh, get going here. So I have to tell you first and foremost that I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. So I <laughs> am, yeah. So you, yeah. You're, you grew up in Flagstaff, right? So I was born in Flagstaff, okay. but when I was five years old, I moved, my family moved here to Mesa. Shut so up. So I, okay, I, I'm like really intrigued right now. Uh, what high school did you go to? So I'm, okay, I'm almost 40, so I am okay. probably not going to know any of the people you know as far as school goes, but I went to Mesa High. <laughs> okay, and so I went to you. Oh, you were the rival. <laughs> Mountain View Toros, no thank you. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's that is so, so funny. funny. And I'm not too far behind you. No. I'm five years behind you. So Yeah, that's so great. So I knew <laughs> that you were from Arizona. I just didn't know I didn't know you grew up in, in Mesa as well. That is such a wild world. Okay. So then the second thing that I noticed is that you worked with Whitney Jones for the IFBB. And I know Whitney because you're going to laugh so hard. This is decades ago, it seems like. But I was on the dance line with her at ASU. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Do you know? I didn't even know she was on the dance line at ASU. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of those girls I look at and I hear like little bits and pieces because I've known her now for a few years, couple, two and a half years. And I hear more and more, and I'm like, how are you this superwoman that has literally checked everything off of your bucket list? Yeah. You know? She is phenomenal. It's so cool to see where she's at now because, man, I just remember her on the dance line. She was just like this beautiful, dainty woman. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, my God, now she's this beautiful, badass IFBB pro and like just... Oh my God. Training people. She is. Yeah. And so Whitney, Whitney is your age. Yeah. And I see the thing she does and I'm like, my body, I don't feel like could hold up even close to how hers does. And those head spins and I don't even understand. She is a like amazing bionic like yeah. robot woman. It's yeah, crazy. it's crazy. You I've seen anyway, I, I don't I know Claire's like, what are you talking about? But she's, she's just like this phenomenal gymnast. I have BB pro and she, her physique is incredible. So I thought that was so I was like, Oh, my gosh, what a small world this is. But not only that is I knew her before she got into all that. So it's kind of funny to see. Like we were just, transformation. yeah, we we're little, little puppies on the dance line. Now she's like running this awesome business. So Heidi, how did you like, what, like when you look back in your life, what was the point where you really got into health and wellness? You know, it's, I, I, it's, it's funny cause Chris in all of his stories, he has like these amazing, powerful defining moments. And to be honest, mine kind of just happened mm-hmm. like over time, gradually, um, which I, I like it that way because I don't feel like it takes a moment or one thing to kind of be like, oh my gosh, this is my calling, this is my life. It was um, really a series of me just honestly helping people like one person after another after another. I mean, meaning Chris too. When I met Chris, um, the I, I got to where I was because I cared so much about who he was and what he was accomplishing. He had just moved out of his car and literally was in a house for the first time, was like $300,000 in debt. Yeah, um, I remember him just, saying that on in an interview where he's yes. like, yeah, I was like legit living in a car. He, <laughs> he was, he yeah. was, and he was dealing with um, some demons of his own. And yeah. so when I met him, just I, I am the um, stereotypical fixer. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I, I love to make, I, I find fulfillment in making others feel good and accomplish their dreams and their goals. And so with Chris, I, I'm naturally 
a little more business savvy than he is. And I, I love the business world. I grew up around it with my dad. And so I was like, hey, let me fix you. Like, let me fix, let's, let's, you know, all these creditors are calling, let me do this. You can focus on this. And he was like, well, wait a sec. You used to be a trainer. And I did. I was a trainer right out of high school for about one year. Um, and then I stopped because I had a hard time with, um, I had a hard time having, only having 30 minutes of the day with one person and then having them go off on their own and um, not really find results because they were eating unhealthy. And at 18 years old, I didn't yeah, know how to Yeah, you were like, it was like, like too much of a problem and not enough time to it fix was. it. Now, when you were younger, though, were you involved in sports and like through junior high and high school? Yes. So I, I was a gymnast all growing up. I mm. was a cheerleader in high school. Um, I had fit parents. My mom and dad both were like uh, Barbie and Mr. Clean. And they were just so fit, always went to the gym, which was really, it was a high bar for me to live up to. And in fact, they were taking me to the gym when I was 14 and 15, not because they thought I had a problem, but because in their minds, that was the best thing to do. Like, hey, we want our kids to feel as good as we are, as good as we do. So we're going to bring them to the gym with us. And in my mind, though, um, little kids speaking, I, it triggered like a, okay, I, I'm, I'll, I'm never going to be as good as my mom if I want my dad or I want another man to love me like my dad loves my mom because he did. Um, I need to be her. I need to be thin. I need to be yeah. fit. I need to be pretty. I need to be all these things. And it, I, as a cheerleader that blew out her ACL twice, it triggered and I guess created an eating disorder, a yeah. really bad one. Um, I went from like 120 pounds to 89 pounds over the course of a year and lived at that weight for a long time. Was that in high school then? Um, it started in high school, mm. early years. I, it may have even been, um, I think the eating disorder and body dysmorphia started even close to ninth grade. So I was young. And then it really ramped up when I blew out my knee in high school. And then it and I got to say, not to interrupt you, but I, I have to say yeah. that just that town, because I, I know now that we both grew up in that town, I just, I, that town is a lot of pressure of looks and, and to yes. perform. And I was a cheerleader too. I, I was a bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we competed against you. <laughs> I was a Mesa High bunny. But like, I can see that. Do you feel like that contributed to the pressure as well? Just like that town was just perfection driven yeah. yeah you know and I don't even know that I saw the um the influence that the surrounding had on me but now outstanding outside of it I think the the town had a direct influence on my family mm. and my family had a direct influence on me I I I, my, I was always praised by my dad he would say you guys are such wonderful kids like I have the best family you guys are all good looking you guys I mean he was he wasn't like hey you need to be pretty yeah but he was like you guys are all fit you're all athletic you're one of a kind like he would always he was so kind I never like I remember him saying it to this day and I could cry because he's not alive anymore yeah. and every time he'd say it I'd be like he's lying I'm not as good as my mom I'm not as good so it was more me comparing myself to my mom at the time um and and I loved my mom. I just wanted to be her so bad. And I, I wanted like that, the approval that my dad gave to my mom, I wanted from him as well. Um, so it just, but yes. And I, it was a big deal to my dad and to my mom um, to that they were somewhat looked up to in the community. It meant a lot to him. And he was, it kind of drove his success in all areas of life, including fitness. So you're out of high school and you start training people. And are you healthy at that time when you're starting to train or how long is your eating disorder going and when do you get treatment? 
I'm like laughing as you're asking that because I was more unhealthy at that time Mm. than at any point in my life. When you're training people? Yes. Much more unhealthy. It was, but I think I actually went into that field um, to try to stay skinny because I had this, even, even at 89 pounds, in my mind, I wasn't skinny enough. It's really something how dark and depressing and dysmorphic that state is. Like I remember not wanting to drink water some days because I thought if I drank water, now I knew better logically as a trainer with my certification, I knew better, but I sometimes what we know logically doesn't translate to how we view ourselves in our lives and in our perspective. And so I, I was um, definitely, I had moved to Utah for about six months, came back because I was at an all, I mean, I went from being a straight A student in high school with honors, I mean, everything to completely failing at ASU. I went for one semester. I might have gotten like one A and the rest were Ds and one class I even failed. Um, I ended up going to Utah, which I got my grades back up, but I, my eating disorder was at its all-time worst. I was completely controlled by my addiction. People, In fact, I hardly remember that time because I spent so much time in my room or driving around finding places to binge and purge. It was mm-hmm. just so consuming and it was something I never, ever, ever in my life thought I could overcome. But when I ended up going back to Arizona, um, part of why I got into fitness or in the training world, I thought, okay, maybe I'll be happy if I'm around weights and I can achieve the body that I really want. Maybe if I get this layer of fat off, which I was so tiny and skinny, it was just crazy. Um, and so I was chasing something that you know, it was an illusion to begin with. Um, so that's And that's partially, I look back and I'm like, how in the world did anyone choose me as their trainer I don't even understand like look I I knew what I was doing and I could put maybe it was that I could put them through a good workout and they had a lot of fun when they were with me but good night like you want trainers that live the lifestyle that you live and I I, to me I feel like it must have been completely apparent to everyone on the outside did anyone ever inquire about that when you're oh yeah yeah um not when I was training um I I was pretty darn good at keeping keeping a good uh, business face and when I was at when I was at the gym I do remember being 100% about my clients and I remember um, it feels like a lifetime ago so it's like what do I remember about that time but I, I do remember um, it was a really big deal for me to be friends and, and and almost bring my clients in as family because that's how I felt like I could get them to change what they were doing um, and by focusing on them, it helped me forget about my own issues. So um, as far as, I, I don't even think they thought to ask because I, I kept, I, I was completely focused on them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think too, when someone's 18 or 19, I think I was 19 or 20 at the time, um, people just assume. And I, I was always muscular. Oh, sorry guys. That's I okay. have, my son was just calling my phone. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I always had muscle on my body. So me at 89 pounds wasn't like a typical person at 89 pounds. I could hide it a little bit better than someone that didn't have a, wasn't like a mesomorph build. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in high school and my family completely and my friends, like they were the ones that really were on me about it. So I, I, I wonder too, so did you get a fit, like formal treatment or how did you get through the darkest times because I know working with eating disorders is one of the most devastating things it's so hard to overcome and I 
I just wonder how that process was for you. And, and I know it's probably continuing to be daily work. You know, and that's, it's, it's such a good question. And it's one I probably weekly and sometimes daily, it's something where I, uh, let me just rewind. So I actually never did formal treatment, but mm-hmm. I have to say my eating disorder went far beyond 20 years old, 19 years old. It actually went into, I didn't start cleaning up my binge purge, be, binge purge behavior until I had my first child, when I got pregnant with my first child into my marriage. So, I mean, to this day, my ex-husband and I, who I, I'm really good friends with, I, I'm sure he knew, but to this day, he and I have not talked about it. I'm sure he's seen it all over the news, you know, when I, it's come up and he's heard interviews where I've said the same thing, but it was a big problem when I was married to him, a big problem. Um, it was just, I hit it really, really well. Um, but I would say when I got pregnant with Maddox is the first time I had the realization that, okay, what I'm feeding my body and what I'm doing to my body right now and what I'm throwing up, that is a like directly impacting the human being that I am creating and bringing into this world. So that for me was the very first wake up call, like very first moment for me, but it's not like it just changes with, you know, the flip of a switch. Um, I had a lot of stuff controlled when I was pregnant and even into the nursing time, because for when I was nursing, you know, you're burning so many calories. Do you guys have kids? Claire does. I do. Yeah. yeah, I have a two year old. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you, if you nurse, you get it. Like when you are burning so many calories, I would be like hungry all the time. Yes. Yes. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can actually eat how I was eating before. And I'm like (laughs) fit. And you know, it was more skinny because I didn't work out as much back then. Um, but my eating disorder behaviors crept in again um, after between Maddox and Marley. And I will, again, w- cleaned up my behaviors again after, like when I was pregnant with my second child. But I, I can't, from that point, from Marley to where I am now, I don't know. And that was only 10 years ago. Marley's 10 years old, almost 11. Um, I can't even tell you what the change was. It, I, I feel like the biggest change in my life was meeting Chris, believe it or not. And although at that time I wasn't necessarily binging and purging, all I thought about all day, every day was what I was eating, how many calories. I mean, I even remember like being with Chris and being like, okay, I need to eat. It was just very like, I'd starve until 2 p.m. and then I'd eat this, this, this. And I had my routine every day. Um, It wasn't until Chris was like, what are your goals? Like we spend so much time, Heidi, working on everyone else because we were doing some fitness stuff at the time, building an online program. What are your goals? And so I had told him, I'm like, well, I actually want to build a little more muscle and I want to have a little more size. But every time, you know, I kind of opened up every time I step on the scale, it's scary for me. Mm -hmm. The number on the scale drove me. Um, And so he is the one that kind of, he got me to start eating five meals a day, which I had never done before. I preached it to people, but I had never done it Um, and and really helped me. I, I put on a little bit of weight. But that, the five meals a day and just finding balance and um, making sure my body was hormone-free from birth control, anything like that, that I feel like actually regulated my hunger levels. Um, but I don't feel like I was actually, and, and I hate to say this because I have been preaching it my whole life. Like you are all, once an addict, always an addict. Like you're always a recovering addict, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I, sh- I am always recovering from an eating disorder. But I will tell you, by the grace of God, I don't even know why or what or how I got so lucky. I don't know if I'm filling my addiction with work and with family and with everything, with the busyness of life. Um, dare I say, I feel like a completely different person 
And it's hard for me to even remember sometimes what having an eating disorder is like right now. Um, but I, I also think a big part of it was when I started getting into the bodybuilding world and my goal became to gain weight. Mm -hmm. So whereas before, even when I wasn't binging and purging, I would see the scale hit 100 and I would freak out or I knew my limit was 105. So I would see it hit 106 and I would have a little meltdown and I'd watch what I ate the next day a little bit more. Um, enter the bodybuilding world when I went, met Whitney Jones two and a half years ago and her team. My goal was get up to 120 pounds and stay there and go over if you can. Um, and it completely changed my life. I got to see what my body was like at that and actually realize the control that we each have over our physical being. And I, I don't even have to experience cravings anymore because I have to eat a certain number of calories and macro, like, you know, proteins, carbs, and fats to stay where I'm at. So I want to, I think this leads really well into a question that we wanted to talk about, which is that in that world, in that bodybuilding world, you know, yeah. from, from two people who, um, have, have done a lot with, with County macros and, um, joy, especially having, you know, coming out of it had some struggles with, you know, being able to sort of release from that and just go back to eating intuitively and, and, you know, rather than being afraid of eating over a certain number. And, um, you know, even though she was eating, what was it, Joy? Like 2,500 plus calories a day. Yeah, I was eating a lot. But it just to, just to give you a quick background, Heidi, is I uh -huh. I just had – we kind of did it on a whim just to do it. And you're like, hey, let's do it together. And it just it kind of uh -huh. took me down a deep, dark hole. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's the short version. So, okay. Right. So I'm just curious, and you know, within that bodybuilding world and with the eating disorder background that you have, how is it – how is the experience of counting – macros and continuing to count, not necessarily calories, but continuing to count macros, continuing to be very, very focused on your body composition and the way that you look. How is that experience for you mentally different from those moments when you were, you know, terrified of, of passing 105? And I'm just yeah. curious because for me, I think like, for, you know, having been through and seen Joy go through this experience with macros and then, you know, seeing what I kind of perceive as a similar experience that people go through when they're getting ready for a bodybuilding competition, it just seems like it would be so easy to use that as this sort of near, um, you know, kind of near just filler for yeah. that same eating disorder habit. And so how is that different for you? And how do you separate you know, those two mind, how, how have you separated those two? Yeah, mindsets? such a good question. And actually when I, Chris and I decided to do a competition, which was the only reason we did it was because someone we were working with on the show um, challenged us to do one. I didn't know what it was. I had no clue. I'm like, I'll do anything, especially since we asked people to do anything, you know, to kind of challenge themselves, themselves and push themselves. Um, yeah, I, and you did it together, which was cool. We, we did. Yeah, we did it together. Um, but, but just to kind of give you a very broad answer to your question. And then I'll dive into the details. Honestly, I have, I think what it boils down to is, uh, I appreciate who I am and I appreciate my life and I appreciate my family and I appreciate my career and what we've built so much more now. Um, I, I, than I ever appreciated anything in the past. So I guess simply put, I have bigger fish to fry in my, in my mind. It's like, how do I not let that take over? I think the biggest help I have is that I have a billion and a half other things going on. So the last thing I have like to worry about is my body, if that makes sense. Granted, I, I'm susceptible like everyone else, but 
Um, in fact, you talked to Whitney and Damien, my coaches, and I think one of their biggest, if, if, if Damien had like an issue and he, he doesn't have an issue, but I am the person, like, I will do whatever I need to do, whatever you tell me to do as you know, if you're my coach, whatever, I will get it done and I will do it. But my mind is usually somewhere else. Like, okay, but I have this, I have four kids. I have this, I have all these other things going on. I know I want to reach this goal, but I kind of, um, just consequently and thankfully, allowed that to be down the list of my, on my totem pole of priorities. Um, so while I knew I was striving for that, I was also striving to build an app with Chris to figure out our next steps after we stopped launching the show, to build this food line that we're launching, to get this digital marketing stuff. So I had a whole list of things that we were working with, make sure my kids' lives were, you know, in order. But now kind of diving into the minutia of it, um, it is, I, I was really worried that those, the macro counting would take over. And for probably about the first year, I was very, very specific. Like I wanted to get as close to my numbers as I could. I wanted to, you know, um, I, I couldn't even think about missing a day of working out. I, I was so religious about it because I wanted to win. I did my first show, did not do well. And so I was on a mission. I'm like, Chris won everything. I got, I was totally driven. Like he, he did our first show. He swept it. He got first in his division. He got of first overall. He did. Oh, he did. And it was one more thing for me at that point. I was like, I am not good enough. I, I'm just, you know, in his shadow. It was, and it kind of drove me. It drove me to be like, you know what? I have so many areas of my life in the past. I did not do well at this. I, I'm going to. I'm going to accomplish something for myself. And so it, I was a perfectionist in the macro world. And, um, and in, in the exercise world, um, there came a point where I had surgery last year for an umbilical hernia in September. So this is about a year and a couple months after I had started. And I was freaking out because I knew for a hernia, you have to take eight to 10 weeks off. And I was like, oh my gosh, Chris, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've been counting my macros. I've been working out every day. I can't even lift a dumbbell. Stressed about it when I had the surgery, it was the most amazing forced rest I had ever had in my life. I didn't want to go back to exercising, to be totally honest. There was a struggle for me to get back in the gym because I had a release that I didn't even know was possible. Um, I, I didn't work out. I actually completely stopped counting my macros during that time. I didn't even open up my fitness pal. I didn't, re and I would go through that time and I remember telling Chris, I didn't even realize how controlled I was by the foods I was eating and the exercise I w was doing. Granted, I was eating donuts and I was eating marshmallow dream bars. I was putting my cheats in where they fit, but just the daily torment of fitting everything in, I, I didn't even see it until I was outside of it. Mm -hmm. um, so and I think that's a good point too of like, you know, just because you're not eating, you know, raw vegan or something doesn't necessarily, you know, like just because you're eating the donuts or the marshmallow bars or what, whatnot, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is a freeing experience because you still have to cram them in to fit your macros. You do. And it was like, I, at night I would have 150 carbs and I'm like, okay, I'll do three scoops of flavorless carbolin in water to yeah. like <laughs> yeah. cram that in. When in the past that would have been like, oh my gosh, 150 carbs. I'm going to do a little bit of bread. I mean, I would totally plan it out where, Joy, if you did over 2,500 calories, you get it. Like yeah. there, you just 
you got to cram food in. Yeah, well, not only that, is Claire and I talk a lot about how you lose touch with with your intuition and your signals of your body, and instead you start going off of numbers. And that that was another thing that we struggled with. Just, you know, I I get that it can be really helpful in so many ways, but that was the piece that we just kind of needed to take a step back from. And um, it started to kind of be this ruler of the numbers were ruling instead of the intuition. So I, I love that you took eight weeks off and you just, completely abandoned all of it because I as you were saying that Heidi I just had this like relief I was like I wish you could see my face I was just like oh my gosh that just sounds like such a release like just not even worrying about that you know it is and it's one of those things it's like at the time you're like my body is gonna fall apart I'm never gonna get it back this and that but like looking back well and just I guess looking back and in the moment knowing everything is fixable. You know, I might not have the glutes that I had, you know, at that time when I'm not working out. My glutes might not pop as much as they did before, but I can get anything back that I want. Like our bodies are these incredible machines that yeah. we are in control of. If we need to take time out for our brains, we we should. Because everything, it's like, there. you know, Monday through Saturday are really busy work days for most people. You know, whether it's family, Sunday is the day that most people take off and rest. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we need that rest. And I think our bodies need it as well. So to even just expand it further, um, to take rest every few months from something, I don't think is a bad thing at all. I actually, now, I, I, up till recently, I've been pretty intuitive with my eating, but more than anything as a result of being so busy. So by the end of the night, I'm like, I am so tired. Let me, you know, post something real quick. Let me do this. Let me get the kids in bed. I'm not going to go into my fitness pal because I can either do that or I can brush my teeth. Yeah. You know, I can brush my teeth. (laughs) Well, you know what I started Uh, doing too is um, whenever we go on vacations now, I don't, I take it as a time to not work out. And my husband's kind of like, and I do as much, I mean, sometimes I'll get a little workout in, but for the most part, I use vacations as a, like a break from workouts. And I think in the past I used to be super stressed, like, oh, I got to make sure I'm working out. But as I'm learning more and more about my body and just everything that we've, you know, Claire and I have learned, even just talking from people on the podcast is more is not better and you have to listen to your body and give your body rest in order for it to perform well because if you keep running it so hard it has nowhere nowhere else to go and eventually it's just it's going to start fighting back it is going to break on you yeah and i think what you like what you guys are both bringing up is a really good point that i think a ton of people have this fear that the moment that they step off the path they are just going to go to shit and like that one little deviation and i think that you know this is what can be scary about about getting away from macro counting this is what can be scary about having an injury or you know anything that's going to mess up your routine is that people have this fear that like if they and we you know get people who write us this all the time of like I want to quit macros but I'm so scared scared. that if I stop counting macros I'm just going to gain back all this weight and you know or you know put put in whatever your xyz is for counting macros whether it's anything but I'm everybody it comes from this fear of like I'm so scared that I'm going to go back or, you know, I'm going to lose this body that I've worked so hard for. And I think it's interesting to hear you, you know, say that like at the beginning you were so nervous. And then as you went through that process, you realized like, Hey, I'm still the one in control of my body here. Like I'm still, the, I'm still making choices. It's not like one little thing. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're, you know, on your deathbed. Yes. Well, and what you say triggers something that Chris taught me, like uh, when, when he was trying to get me to just eat breakfast back in the day, you know, and uh, eat five meals a day. I remember him saying, he's like, just follow this plan. Just try it for two weeks, Heidi. 
if it, if it doesn't work, guess what? Go back to what you were doing before. He actually yeah. used to say, go back to what didn't work before. Yeah. Like, he was <laughs> I'd be like, okay. So I, it took me a few tries. I actually tried, um, I ate what Chris told me to for a week and a half and I went back because I was like, I don't like the feeling of feeling bloated, you know, at the time or feeling thicker, whatever it was. So I went back to what I was doing. And then, you know, after another month, I was like, gosh, I don't like where I'm at. This isn't working for me. So he's like, okay, if that's not working for you, try it again, but give it time. And you know, that's actually something that a lot of people struggle with too. Anytime it's like thinking about jumping from macros to intuitive eating or macros to just a balanced maybe zone diet or macros to a, a plan Chris and I would tell you to follow that uses palm fist thumb measurements instead, just a little more uh, simpler. It's so terrifying, but you got to take the leap at some point. And if it doesn't mm -hmm. work, you can always go right back. Same goes with exercise too. It's like, hey, Joy, like I love that you don't work out on vacation. And people listening should try it. If yeah. you feel consumed. Just try consumed, it. Yeah. Give it a try. Give it a try. Back. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the funny thing is we don't realize that like, guess what? You can change it. You can always yes. like one day or one week, one month of not working out is not going to just throw you off the wagon of whatever wagon you're worried about. It's like, yes. it's just not going to yes. work. Well, and I, like I, I can, yeah, it, go ahead. It goes the other way too. Like when women are so afraid to weight train, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get bulky. And I always tell them like, you're not just going to wake up one morning and look in the mirror and be like, oh shit, I got bulky. Like, you're, yeah. you know, if you're going down that road, you can stop. You are spot on. And it's like the whole bulky thing too. I don't think most people realize women. Oh gosh, just, I know where I, and granted, I, I, I used to be so guilty of it. I'd be like, I'm never doing leg day because my thighs are going to get big because they naturally get big. And now all I do are leg days. Like if I can only right. fit in two workouts a week, they're going to be glutes and hamstrings and yeah. you know, quads. <laughs> but it's just so funny because you don't realize women don't have the genetic potential to look like a man naturally. And yeah. girls are always like, I don't want to look like a man. We just don't have, we're like, yeah. well, lucky for you, you're not a man. Yeah, yeah lucky exactly. for you, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> Women, we, we want curve. Like that's what I'm desperately trying, I'm trying to put size on to actually have curve. Whereas, you know, I, yeah. It, and to me, I think there's something so beautiful about looking fit and looking strong as opposed to looking skinny, which is what my mind was so, wrapped around for years and years and years so gosh lift weight that's all yeah. i gotta say oh lift. yeah heck yeah well heidi you did are you still doing crossfit i know you did the do you have your level one or level two so we, level one sir yes uh -huh. um so i do right now i do a hybrid so we did crossfit for years and years probably about five years we were straight crossfit maybe six and then we actually did a full-on swap i did into the um iron gym just physique training because i in order for me to keep the muscle mass that I right. was wanting to, I had to completely cut out every single form of metabolic yeah, conditioning and cardio. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now I'm actually doing a hybrid. So I do, um, I do a blend. I it's based on. So the guys that actually helped us program the app, which is what um, it's the, that's the plan that I follow. Yeah, I want to tell. Uh, is this the Transform uh, app that you guys are doing? It is. Okay. But do you know okay. brute, brute Strength? Yeah. Oh yeah. We yeah. have. We okay. talked to him a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Mike? Oh yeah. Mike yeah, we had we had Mike and his wife and Eddie a couple weeks back. <gasps> yeah. So awesome. I love them. Yeah, they're great. So Root Strength actually did um, our 
cross training stuff inside of the app. And then we ended up taking what we did for physique. So we have phase one and two, which each phase is three months. So phase one, phase two, when phase three hit, we ended up adding in. So for women's physique and men's physique, we kept it mostly hypertrophy training, but then we added metabolic conditioning and EMOMs and Metcons and Tabata and different types of like at the end of the workouts, we threw some CrossFit or cross training into it. Because to me, like, I, I love that in physique, you can make your body look a certain way, but, but nothing comes close to the feeling that you get when your butt is whooped by a Metcon. Am I, am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. feels so good. Yes. <laughs> and we had, um, what was it? We had uh, a guest on a couple weeks ago or just this past week who was saying, you know, for a lot of people, you can pick performance or you can pick physique and you can't focus on both at the same time. It's just not going to, you know, if you're, if you want your full focus to be physique, that's great. If you want your full focus to be on performance, you know, I think it's tough for people to find that hybrid, but if you focus on performance, you will also get that physique. Whereas if you are just focusing on physique, it can be harder to bring the performance along with you. Oh my gosh. Completely, completely. I will say because I, I gained some muscle mass, it was nice for me to do physique for a year, go back and do some oh, Metcons. Sure. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually like lift heavier weight because I just couldn't <laughs> do that before. But my engine took such a hit when I went back to doing CrossFit or the hybrid. I'm like, like after 30 seconds of a sprint, I'm like, what is going on with me? <laughs> I could not doing Cindy for the first time after a year was like hell for me. It was really hard, but it like, I, I, I like feeling fit. I like feeling like I am stronger today than I was yesterday. So and you can only get that. Profit. Yeah. And oh gosh, and we, of course, our podcast is Girls Gone Wad, but we, uh, yeah. we love CrossFit, but I also so appreciate the variety that it provides too. And we're always advocating our listeners. Not everyone does CrossFit who listens to this show. And so we always want to advocate for people to find what works for them. And I think that's where people get confused is they're looking for the right magic answer. So, um, you know, you and Chris have trained a lot of people and have made really significant progress with a lot of weight loss. So what are the things that you see people, I guess, maybe the myths of the things they come to you where you're like, oh, you're thinking about this all wrong? Well, it's funny what you just said, um, you guys, and not, not to discredit anyone that was on your show, but when they said you need to focus on one or the other, I feel like, a, obviously, we all have an opinion. My opinion is you can do whatever you want because fitness in anyone's life is dependent on what they determine fitness is. Fair. So in yeah, everyone we work with, we say, you know what, you like fitness doesn't exercise does not, I, I should call it working out does not have to be a chore. Mm -hmm. People hear that and they're like, Oh my gosh, that sounds so awful. The last thing I, maybe I'll do like one CrossFit workout a week, but I, I can't, if I can't do anything else, I'm done. I'm just going to do one and done, you know, but no, if you want to do Zumba one day, do Zumba. If you want to kickbox one day, kickbox. If you just want to go outside and walk one day, go walk one day. I, granted, my goals require I do a certain kind of training to get to where I want to go. And if someone, you know, someone else's goal is to do a CrossFit competition, it's going to require that they put in the work in the CrossFit realm, right? But if your goal is to simply be fit and to be healthy and to actually enjoy the, the, the lifestyle that you're living do what it is that you love and don't let anyone tell you what it is besides yourself. If you are moving and you're having fun, you are doing it right. Yeah. I like that's, that a lot. That's um, definitely what we try to preach too, because I think yeah. most, <laughs> most everyone is comparing themselves to people on the internet thinking they're doing everything wrong. And it's like, no, you need yeah. to really just find your voice and find what yeah. makes you feel good. Yes, completely. Claire, did you have something? 
Um, yes, I actually, I was going to bring it back around to food yeah, real quick, but I don't want to, I don't want to dive into that yet. If you uh, are still wanting to. Well, I had a totally off the beaten path question that I wanted to circle back to too, but I feel like yeah. either way, <laughs> I just want to, <laughs> I want to cover something really, really fast and I don't want to go down a Do rabbit it. hole because we we're, we don't have that much time. But, um, I want to also ask Heidi because I struggled with this too, when I, I lost a significant amount of weight when I was counting macros, um, but it really kind of screwed up my hormones and I had to really bring myself back out of that, um, which was very difficult. But I remember the verbal validation from people when I lost all that weight, which I don't know if you know what I look like now, but I'm I'm pretty darn healthy and always have been and I never really yeah. had, had yeah, weight to lose. Like, and has a really yeah. fit, you have a super fit body type too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I can tell. I'm built like an athlete. And so I never really considered awesome. myself to be someone who needed to lose weight in the first place. So when I did lose weight, everyone was kind of like, wow, you look so great. And it totally screwed with me because I'm like, but I never even had that on my radar to that I, yes. that I, you know, that I don't know how to put it into words even, but it was just very odd. And I just have to ask too, if that's still something that you struggle with, especially with your history or even just like in your role that people are coming to you for fitness. And obviously you're so beautiful, but people are probably giving you so much feedback about your physique and and it just anyone I'm, I'm you I'm talking about you I'm talking about me I'm talking about our listeners of how we deal with that um, because that can be a slippery slope yeah I can I can definitely understand what you're saying and that that is tough because you felt fit before and I'm sure every time someone gave you a compliment you thought like you you were grateful for it but then you're like wait so what does that mean about what I was before like did was I unacceptable then you know kind of a thing like was that not good enough um, yeah. completely. And so I have to constantly remind myself of something my dad used to tell me. He would say, Heidi, 50% of the people are going to love you. 50% of the people are going to hate you. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. But in his mind, he always was like, half the people are going to be on your side. Half the people are going to be on someone else's side. (laughs) And that goes for everything. It's like, I I realize it's been, and I do choose to take everything, even negative, as a conscious choice. I choose to take it as a blessing. I have had much more than Chris, um, more social media lashback than Chris ever has seen in his life because people just look at him and he's so kind. For a girl, it's a little more controversial no matter if it's the way that her body looks or this or that or she's wearing her hair or what she's showing on social media. I find that Um, so interesting as a total side (laughs) note, but we won't go there right now. (laughs) Oh, it it really is. And it's something where I, I realized as I was, you know, before I put on weight, I got the comment all the time. It, it was half the people. Half the people would say, your body's amazing. The other half would be like, you're, you're way too skinny. You look sick. You look anorexic. And I'm not going to lie. When I'd hear it, it'd like strike a chord and be like, like that just sucks to hear. Yeah, yeah. But then I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, that person would not say that if they weren't happy with themselves. So that's how I try and remember it. Like think about it. And same, as I was putting on weight, there were so many people that were like, you look amazing. I'm so happy. You look healthy. And then there were people that were like, you look like a man that's disgusting. And so it's it people are going to feel how they choose to feel and I it's been so great for me to have a taste of like riding this body wave on social media yeah. and having every every phase I've been at I've had a handful of people that appreciate what I'm doing and a good handful of people that don't appreciate. So I know better now. Yeah. No matter where my body is, whether I like it, whether I don't. People are going to like it and people are going to hate it. And it's like you can look at someone that is um, not as in shape as you are, you know, both of you guys, I'm sure. And 
their body, and maybe they're not even as healthy, you know, maybe they're not following even a diet plan, but, but there are a handful of people on their page that absolutely love the way that their body is. So it's just one of those things I have to remember. Everyone has a preference for what they want in a woman's body. Yeah, I'm not going to let their idea of what is perfection define and define me. Yeah. I'm going to, and I'm going to go through many more phases. I'm sure if Chris and I have another baby, which he wants to at some point, uh, my body's going to go through a transformation again. And half the people are going to think I'm, you know, either too fit or not fit enough as a pregnant woman and the other, or, you know, vice, whatever it is. It's, and then as I'm breastfeeding, they're going to, half the people are going to think I'm overweight, half are going to think I'm underweight. So it's just, you, you yeah. never know. Yeah. And you're always getting information, especially when we put ourselves out there that way, I, especially you more than anyone, because um, you have a very large audience. But I also think that so much of what people say is just a projection of themselves. And, and they're just really kind of putting their insecurities on the people that they're talking to. So I have to remind myself that uh, a lot as well. Yeah. I think feedback's really important. And Claire and I, I think are, you know, we, we always want to take what our listeners say, um, feedback and, and try to hear what they are, you know, what they want from us. But I also think that there's truly just some comments that we really have to be like, all right, that's just, that is just them projecting their crap onto us. Yes. And I'm just going to move along now. But um, yeah. it's hard. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just hard. It's I would imagine for you, especially like, it's just hard to hear all that. Um, it, yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. It, it helps a lot to have you had said feedback is great. And I, I actually choose to like, there are two people in my life that I will accept body feedback from. That's it. Uh, my coach, Damien, and of course, Whitney comes along with them, and mm -hmm. my husband. And and other than, because anytime a woman is um, gaining weight or losing weight, whatever, there's a lot of self-doubt. I think just as a female, there's a lot of self-doubt. But I know that both of them care about um, my about me, and about me hitting my goals. So I choose to listen, even if I don't believe and I'm my biggest critic, which sometimes I'm a bitter, bigger critic than anyone out there is to, on myself. Um, I believe what they say about me. And so I think just one takeaway from this conversation for me is find people in your life that you trust and use that person and that person only as your source of feedback. And it helps let what other people say kind of roll off your back. Yeah. Are you a fan of Brené Brown? You know, I've actually never read one of her books. But you love I've her because I know you're really big on vulnerability. I and I really, uh, she's she's done so much research research around vulnerability and shame, and so I think that she would be someone that you would love so much. Um, oh yeah, so put that on your on your to do list for reading. But uh, I'm writing it down now. <laughs> <laughs> she talks a lot about um, telling your story to the people who deserve it. And I think that's a that really rings true for when we want to open up and, and tell people things that are very close to that the things are hard for us or something that we feel shameful about that we really shouldn't be opening up to people who don't deserve to hear our story anyway. And so I, I kind of try to use that as well when we're, you know, moving along with something that might be hard to share. I have to feel comfortable with it. And I feel like our audience, you know, is ready to hear it or I'm ready to tell it. But you get into yes. that, that conundrum too of, of oversharing or people who aren't going to be nice with that story. So that's, I think that's yes. very smart for you to really just say, okay, even though I'm putting my, myself out there with this, this, and this, really the two people that deserve to hear my story and for me to really take their feedback are these two people. I, as you were saying that, I literally got chills because I love, I love that um, teaching. I've actually never heard it from her before, but 
one thing Chris and I do with the people that we work with. It's and it all kind of it's tied to shame and self loathing, and also consequently loving yourself as well. But it's we always when we work with someone, we always say it is imperative that no matter what you tell me the truth. Like if you need to confess, confess to me. And guess what? Never in a billion years, if you did the worst thing, if you come to me and you tell me, I will never get upset ever. Like the only two words we will ever say to anyone that confesses, no matter what they did, how far they fell is thank you. Because in my mind, it's so important that people can open up, they can share and they can be vulnerable and they can know that they are loved and they are accepted and they are good enough exactly, exactly how they are. And from that moment, I feel like when you can truly be vulnerable and open and raw, that's when true healing can begin. But what you say, we say you can't be vulnerable. You cannot be authentic and real with everyone. Some people are not ready to hear what you have to say. And if someone's going to do bad, exactly what you're saying, if someone's going to do bad with the confession that you give them, if you say I housed a pizza to your wife, you know, say to one of our male clients and your wife happens to nag you and, you know, drive you into shame, you're never going to tell her again. No, yeah. You're going to do it over and over again. And it's, you're going to start hiding it from everyone. It's one of the worst things you can do. So I, I completely agree with what it is you're saying. Yeah, I would encourage you to just Google her TED Talks to kind of get you into the, the vibe of Brene Brown. And then you're going to immediately want to go out, go and read all of her books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so Claire, I know you had a question. Okay, food. so I mean, that was like so intense. That I, I like so hesitant to even bring it. No, back it's okay. We got to bring it back. because We got to we got to end up we got to finish soon. So we can we okay. can go on a light note. <laughs> okay, well, this is actually so I just feel like if, if we did not bring this up, we would be remiss and our listeners are gonna be like, I can't believe you didn't ask her about this. Because a couple of weeks ago, you after you finished your most recent bodybuilding show, you posted a picture of yourself eating a donut and you did it with the caption, I earned this. And when we saw that coming out of our we talk a lot about like food, you know, don't treat food like a transaction and, you know, you, you don't need to earn food. You don't need, you know, like you should just be feeding your body and, and eating, you know, what you want to eat and moving forward. And so when we saw that, I think initially our reaction and anytime we see something like that, our reaction is like, oh, come on, like you don't need to <laughs> totally. earn donuts. <laughs> and yes. so I just wanted to bring that up because I know we, we talked about it even on the podcast, like before you, you know, your, you and your team had even reached out to us, we talked about it. And, and so I know people are going to be like, like, I can't believe you didn't bring that up with her. <laughs> you know, and just so you know about me, I actually love when people ask me these kinds of questions because they're just so simple. I don't have any um, canned responses for it. I'll just answer completely truthfully. I am actually 100% on the same page as you. And I'm sure somewhere in our last book, I actually wrote a paragraph about that somewhere. Um, I'm not someone, I, I don't even like to use food as a reward system at all. In fact, um, our second book, which was Choose More, Lose More, to the third book, um, uh, I'm like, what's the name of it? Extreme Transformation. <laughs> we, changed, we changed it from um, reward day and reward meal to reset day and reset meal, right? Because I feel like mm -hmm. I, I don't like viewing food. I don't want my kids to view food as reward um, and as earning or taking away Honestly, I was probably just trying to be cute with text, like being completely transparent. <laughs> that is such a good like... lesson, Heidi. That is such a good lesson to just not take everything not on the internet it. and read yeah. into it. That's such a good reminder for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're so welcome. And it, but it is, it's true. Like as you say it, and I think back, I'm like, wow, I probably shouldn't have done that. But half the time with social media, I'm like, 
Okay, I have a picture here. What can I say that would make people smile? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. You're just like trying to get the stupid picture to post (laughs) so you can move on with your day. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, completely. But I I I will say um, I I most likely and I don't know. I I probably counted that donut in my macros. I don't know. I I kind (laughs) of fell off a little bit after the show, to be honest. I, I think that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I think, you know, we do talk a lot about like food shouldn't ever be a transaction and you shouldn't ever feel like you have to work out in order to be, yeah. you know, quote unquote allowed to eat. And I think that that's something, you know, when you get into that world, like that, I feel like when you start feeling that way about like, I can't eat this unless I, you know, do something to earn it. Yeah. To me, that is like that decision or that mindset is sort of the fork in the road that takes you once you start thinking that you know, it's kind of hard to come back to a healthy mindset once you go down that path. Yeah. And it's actually really good that you brought that up to me because no one else has. And, and honestly (laughs) thinking about it, you are 100% right. Well, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm definitely on that same page already, but even it's, it's crazy how simple words can actually Mm -hmm. make people feel like, oh my gosh, I'm sure a handful of people did read and thought, okay, so I need to earn my donut, like I need to work hard, when that wasn't my intention, but it is, it's important to watch how you say things, and just kind of taking it back to the bodybuilding world, um, when you guys were saying, you know, how do you kind of separate and make sure it doesn't take you down, I do think a majority of the people that I, not, I shouldn't say majority, a, a big percentage of people in the bodybuilding world, I don't think that they know how to do it healthy, yeah. um, to be honest, and I think they do view it as a um, it, it's so restrictive, um, and I and, and so much cardio and so many two days, and it, it's when you're doing so much and putting so much stress on your body and your mind and your emotion, um, it will completely and can completely ruin your body, your hormones, just the way that you feel about it, etc. But there, I think if you can kind of find a healthy balance, and you can, uh, like with me, I whether whether this is right or not i eat my reward foods and i eat a lot of calories up to the day before i actually clean up my foods one day before my show meaning like i do solid you know unsalted chicken or turkey and <laughs> rice one day before my show but the rest of it i simply follow macros because for me i need something that is sustainable for the rest of my life i don't want to finish that show and rebound and feel like I'm not the same person that I was because there is, it's like um, show day for people is almost like wedding day and like it's it's one of those things that's like you have these high hopes and you're on such a high. Um, there is naturally a depression after a show. There's oh, sure. naturally a depression yeah. after your wedding. When reality hits, there's naturally a depression after you have a baby. So after you hit these high levels of excitement, um, you're you're going to feel a little bit down because it's the excitement's gone and when you add to that that your body is rebounding in a massive way because of all of the restricting that you did and you didn't find a healthy balance and a lifestyle it just it makes it that much worse I can't tell you how many people you've probably seen it joy how many people just feel like they are in a worse position after their show than they were even before even starting yeah, and I I'm a huge fan of the Mind Pump podcast. You should check them out. They're great. One of the guys is a Again? it's called Mind Pump. And okay. they one of the guys is an IFBB pro and is that how you say it? I feel like I'm getting the Yeah. Okay. And he uh so he's he's phenomenal and he doesn't uh, compete anymore, but he talks so much about how people will come to him wanting 
them uh, wanting him to train them and he will be like uh, okay so when's the show and they're like oh in three months and he's like I'm not going to train you for that he he says if Good you can't him. yeah he's like if you can't learn to respect how much goes into this sport I will not I, I cannot I don't feel good doing it because at some point it's so unhealthy that he's just really fostering a negative relationship and a, a poor relationship with food. So I always keep that in mind too with, you know, the people that I see that are doing these competitions um, that you have to be really mindful. It's not just as easy as like, oh yeah, I'm just going to jump on the stage. Like it's a very big commitment and I think you have to really respect it. Like with any sport, you're not just going to be like, oh, I'm going to go be a professional basketball player now. Um, <laughs> it's true. You know, so, but, and I want to just wrap up this one quick thing too, just as we were talking, yeah. because I want to also just, you know, <laughs> be accountable for what I bring to the table with this stuff too, because what yeah. Claire brought up is, uh, I think where we're coming from as well is this is so on our radar right right now because we spent the last year and a half, two years kind of like going through the macro ins and outs. So it's very much on our radar. And um, it would be it would be unfair to say that, you know, we're like casting stones saying that people shouldn't be having a transactional relationship with food when we ourselves have kind of gone through the ringer with that, too. So it's just been really so much on our radar. And sometimes I'll get flack for things that I say about, you know, like I think one girl commented that um, one of the shows I I, I mentioned that my arms looked so disgusting. She's like, I can't believe you say that. Like, muscles aren't disgusting. I'm like, I'm not saying muscles are disgusting. I love my muscles. The fact that my arms were so wiry was really disgusting for me because I like my muscles. Like, you know, so I think there's like yeah. a lot of, it just, it just, comes with it's a very charged conversation but I just wanted to bring that back to of like hey you do you and I think that we can have a very good conversation with Thank just you. like saying you know this is also very much on our radar and we're very uh protective of the audience too and we want to make sure that people are you know not getting the wrong messages totally yeah, and and, and I, I like that. Honestly, I love what you guys are doing. And I love that you guys bring stuff up like that. And in my opinion, well, I should say, you know, uh, let me use opinion later in the sentence, but I appreciate <laughs> that everyone has a very different perspective and opinion. And I try and view any negativity on my um, social media pages. Okay, let me step in their shoes for a second. They're seeing it this way. And I actually try to respond um, to them with like, okay, I, I appreciating them for what it is that they're seeing. I, and so honest to goodness, if you guys ever have any hard hitting questions, or you're like, you did this, please ask me, I, I like it, it helps me see what else is out there and what other people are seeing. Otherwise, I, I only live in my own head, I won't know what people are viewing. Yeah, but and then, what that's such a good example. And I hate to get all like mushy. But that's such a good example for us to Heidi to be like, Oh, we can do that as well. Like you, you doing that, opens up more of a conversation as opposed to just being defensive. And I think that's just so oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. You guys uh, are great. Well, you're, you're great. And I really want to come great. to every time I, every, you know, every time I go visit my family in Mesa, cause they're all still there. I want to come see you guys. You <laughs> need to. Hey, you would love the garage. You need to come work oh, out in our gym. Oh my gosh. I would love to. Yeah. Yes, done. It's built for CrossFit. Can come you, can you take a quick moment? Cause I know we're out of time to talk about the transform app. Yes. Okay. So our app, it's the transform app.com. We actually tried to create it. We sh I shouldn't say we tried. We literally created an app that is unlike anything else that is out there right now. It is completely 100% customizable for anyone. And I mean, anyone from, you know, a 20 year old, completely fit elite athlete up to a 
uh, an 80 year old that can barely move. No matter who you are, no matter what your goals on, there is a plan for you. So we have um, at home workouts, we have plans that don't even have workouts. It's more about mobility because the older you know population, a lot of them can't move. There are plans that are for people wanting to do physique competitions or just physique in general and sculpt the way that their body is. And then there's people, there are body weight cross training, aka CrossFit, um, and fully equipped CrossFit programs. So literally, you just enter your age, age height, weight, gender um, goals. And we will create the program for you based on what equipment you have available. We have hundreds and hundreds of recipes that are scaled 14 times. So there is no one's workout plan and uh, nutrition regimen will be the same. No one's. Um, we have, it's, Chris and I are literally training you in your pocket. We keep you, we keep it completely realistic when we're on the road. We know sometimes we have to swing by a drive through because we didn't plan and we were not as prepared as we should have been. Heck so yeah. We actually, yeah, we include a fast food locator with a guide to what that person can eat at any fast food location that's near them. So it's 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 like 10 apps in one. I am, I, I Chris did actually quite a bit of the programming on it um, with the programming team. He, yeah, it, it is our baby. That is it so is cool. And Mike Cashew did some of the, the programming as well. He's such a good friend of ours. And yes. that's so cool. That is just so cool. He, he did. And then Damien and Whitney over at Pro Physiques did the physique programming. Yeah. So we, Chris and I stuck with weight loss and we let everyone else do what they were good at. We, we know where our limits are. <laughs> well, you guys are both so cute that I just had to throw in a joke about, you know, like when you say someone's so cute, you want to put them in their pocket. Like you really can. <laughs> oh my God, Joy. <laughs> that is amazing. Sorry, I had to. I just really did. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed and also so excited that you just <laughs> That was, that just made me laugh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to end the podcast. So listeners, you guys, uh, where else can, I, mean, I know people know where to find you, Heidi, but where's the best place to find you guys right now? <laughs> Um, you know, you can always social media. That's where we're going to be the most um, present. So on Instagram, it's at real Heidi Powell and Facebook, the same at real Heidi Powell, Twitter, same Chris is the same at real Chris Powell all over the place. Come find us. Come hang out. We love connecting with people. And I'm going to come. Thank see you, you guys there. for having me on. Yeah, Stay on the line. It's listeners. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Heidi, we all sign off with a singy bye. Oh, shoot. I didn't do it. Darn it. No, it's fine. It's okay. It, like, it came out of nowhere. It really did. Just like the first, our very first podcast, we did it and we just had to keep it. We have to keep it going. I'm yeah. sad I didn't do it. Darn it. Well, I can edit it if you want me to do another one. Ready? Ready? Yeah, three, two, one. Okay. Three, two, one. Bye. Oh, oh, darn it. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm gonna put all of this in. I can't wait to edit this. Okay, three, two, one. Bye!